My name's Neil, I'm married to the wonderful Kate. Together we lead this rabble, the Southwest London Vineyard. If you are new or visiting, you're very, very welcome. It's great to see you. Do connect with Kerry and the guys out the back. We'd love to help connect you with the church, life of the church here or wherever it may be that um, God is calling you. But it is fantastic to see you. Thank you all so much for being here. The Spirit of God is here and let's just make ourselves open and available for all that he has for us. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 19. We're going to carry on a, a series called Living Out Loud. We started a few weeks ago and as we've been looking at the life of Jesus, really to see if there's, uh, to see what, if anything, we might be able to glean from him about how we as followers of Jesus kind of live and share God's love, you know, to the very many people that we meet every week, every day in the course of our day-to-day -day lives. You know, whether that's at work, in the workplace, whether that's at the school gate or at the shops or wherever it is that we find ourselves, I think all of us in a heart of hearts, you know, we'd like to be sharing something of our faith in Jesus, but we'd kind of like to be doing it in ways that fit with the way that God's made us, you know, the way that God has wired us, kind of goes back to the talk I did a few weeks ago on the four corners of Christianity. And in the run-up to Easter, what we're doing is we're going to be looking at the gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, you know, from Jesus' encounter, encounters with his disciples who gave up everything to follow him, through to those people that Jesus encountered who had absolutely no idea who he was, and even when they kind of found out, weren't necessarily that convinced. And we're doing all of that just to see what, if anything, we can learn from the way that Jesus interacts with those around him so that we can do all that God has called us to do in our lives. And this morning, I want us to take a look at another very familiar uh, Bible story. It's the story of uh, Zacchaeus. I'm sure there's a song in there somewhere, but I have no idea what it is, and I'm certainly not going to sing it. But Zacchaeus is this tax collector who encounters Jesus, and his life is never the same again. And as we read this story, again, probably very familiar to many of us, whether we're churchgoers or not, call ourselves Christians or not. But as we read this, I just want us all to invite the Spirit of God to come and to speak to each one of us about something from this story. Maybe the Spirit of God will highlight something that you've uh, never noticed before, never seen before. Maybe uh, the Spirit of God will remind you of something that he's spoken uh, to you about before. Uh, maybe he'll prompt you to do something as a result of reading uh, this story. But whatever it is, let's just take a moment to invite him to come and speak to us through his word. So, Spirit of the living God, we welcome you in this place. We thank you for the scriptures. And we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would lead us and guide us. That you would speak to us. We thank you that you are a God who speaks today. And we ask and invite you to speak to each one of us individually, here, now, this morning, in this place, for your glory. Amen. This is uh, Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. 
says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief, a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. A bit presumptuous. Uh, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, this particular episode in the life of Jesus is only recorded in Luke's gospel. Maybe it's fair to assume that Zacchaeus is one of those eyewitnesses that Luke sort of searched out and interviewed as he's writing and compiling his gospel. But, you know, there are so many really great things to note about this uh, story as we read it. But most of all, I want us to focus our attention on the, the honor and the respect and the grace that Jesus shows uh, to Zacchaeus. What do we know about Zacchaeus? Well, have a look at verse one. Jesus enters Jericho and he's passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector and he's wealthy. So he's a tax collector. And not just that, he's the chief tax collector. And uh, Zacchaeus was true of all of those in his prof profession at that time. He was despised and hated by pretty much everyone. Here's a man who would have been hated by the people, and why is it that he's so hated? Well, he didn't just work for you know, the inland revenue of the day, revenue and customs. Uh, he also worked for the Romans. And the Romans were the, obviously the occupying and incredibly oppressive force at that time. And all of those, the Romans, were, were hated and despised by the Jews, as was anybody who associated with them. Now, uh, because the tax collectors weren't paid by the Romans, they'd had to collect you know, enough money to pay the Romans and the taxes that were due, but they'd also have to pay their own salaries. And they also wanted to line their own pockets as well. And so they were often incredibly wealthy. You know, they extorted tax and much, much more from people who really had nothing. They were greedy, they were abusive, and the people despised them. Zacchaeus, he's the head honcho, if you like, of the whole of the Jericho tax uh, district, and he has become very, very wealthy, uh, exploiting and extort extorting others. So here we've got this man, he's vehemently hated, he's passionately despised by everyone, he's a complete outsider, he's a pariah, he's hated by the Jews, derided by the Romans, and yet Jesus knows his name. Jesus knows his name. Have a look at verse 5. When Jesus reaches the spot, he looks up and says to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. 
Even though Jesus has clearly never met this chap before, he knows his name, and not only does he know his name, he knows everything about him. Jesus is passing through, uh, passing along the road to Jericho. Crowds and crowds of people are gathering. But out of all of these people, Jesus just sees one man. He sees the despised tax collector, Zacchaeus. He knows who he is. He knows what he represents. He knows how everyone around him would feel about him. And yet Jesus sees through all of that because Jesus sees Zacchaeus's heart. Now, we don't really know why, but for some reason, Zacchaeus is desperate to see Jesus. So desperate, in fact, because he's short, he climbs this tree so that he can see over all of the crowd. He's so intent on seeing Jesus that he's not even worried about kind of preserving his dignity. This wealthy and powerful, and Zacchaeus was very wealthy and powerful, even though he was loathed. You know, these people wouldn't normally climb trees, especially not in front of crowds of people. But Zacchaeus is intent on seeing Jesus, but what happens is that Jesus sees him. And not only does Jesus see him, uh, but not only does Jesus know him, Jesus sees him. He sees him. Have a look at verse 5. When Jesus reaches the spot, he looks up and says to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. What the people saw was a man that they despised, rich, tax collector, hated and loathed by everyone. And yet, this is the man that Jesus sees. He's the one that Jesus singles out, not because he's rich, not because he's a tax collector, not because he's a man who's important, who deserves Jesus' attention, but because Jesus sees something in him. Jesus sees him. Jesus sees the heart of a man beneath all of the trappings of his rank and position. Jesus sees Zacchaeus's heart, and Jesus wants to meet him and spend time with him. Jesus doesn't get stuck on the external facade, whatever that may be, rich or poor, popular or despised. Jesus sees past all of that, through all of that, and he sees Zacchaeus's searching heart and his inherent dignity as one made in the image of God. Jesus doesn't see a tax collector. He doesn't see an outcast. Jesus doesn't see a pariah. Jesus sees one who has been made in the image of God. Jesus sees this unique and precious man. Jesus calls him by name and says to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. One of the more uh, memorable, uh, remarkable aspects, I suppose, of this encounter is, is Jesus' request to be hosted by Zacchaeus, you know, at his home for the rest of the day. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And, you know, Zacchaeus comes down and welcomes him gladly. One of the things I think that's interesting in this passage is that uh, Jesus puts himself in a place where he can receive what Zacchaeus can offer him. He respects his dignity. He respects his person. And Jesus enables Zacchaeus to give something, to provide something to the Son of God. And so he invites himself to his house. Now, given our social conventions, we might be somewhat tempted to say, you know, this, this all sounds a bit presumptuous. You know, it's, it's a bit 
a bit rude, it's a bit of a cheek, inviting yourself to the home of someone you've never even met. So we really do need to be asking ourselves, what's really going on here? Firstly, Zacchaeus would not and could not have invited a Jew into his home, and especially not a Jewish religious leader. No self-respecting Jew, and certainly no rabbi, uh, teacher, synagogue leader, would ever have considered accepting such an invitation. No such person would ever have dreamed of visiting the home of such a man as Zacchaeus, a tax collector. It would have been even more unthinkable than going into a Gentile's house. But uh, so uh, Zacchaeus can't invite Jesus, and so Jesus invites himself. Much to the amazement of Zacchaeus and much to the amazement of everybody else too. And it's almost as if Jesus is delighting in disrupting the status quo uh, to give, you know, especially those who are despised and regarded as social and moral outcasts, the chance to share maybe the little that they have with him. The woman at the well gives Jesus water. Zacchaeus gives Jesus a meal. But do you see how the people react? It's the same way that they re reacted to the woman who anointed Jesus with perfume from the alabaster jar that Kate was talking about a few weeks ago. It says, you know, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. It's the same thing here. Only it's not just the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who are criticizing Jesus, but everyone else in the crowd as well. Have a look at verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to, the, to be the guest of a sinner. And this Jesus does gladly. There's nothing more honoring or dignifying that Jesus could have done for Zacchaeus. And so despite the grumbling of the crowd, Jesus is more than happy to spend time with this man. And he honors him by gracing him with his presence um, at a meal in Zacchaeus' home. And Zacchaeus responds to this amazing invitation with joy. He says, you know, he came down and gladly welcomed him. You know, and we look at this and actually for some of us might be thinking this is all a bit uneventful, what's really going on here? You know, all Jesus is doing is going to someone's house for supper or lunch or whatever it is. But in going to Zacchaeus' home to eat, Jesus is breaking not only all the social customs, but also the religious and moral laws of the day. By becoming a guest and eating in the home of a sinner, a man with an unclean profession, Jesus is making himself socially, ritually, morally, and religiously unclean. By going to Zacchaeus' home, Jesus is ceremonially polluting himself. It's the same uh, way as, as if he'd gone to the home of a Samaritan or a Gentile. But in his passion to reach out to the last and the least and the lost, all of those social barriers, they mean nothing to Jesus. And they should mean nothing to us. The incredible natural and uh, easy way that Jesus goes into the home of someone considered an outcast should really cause us to pause and think about the ways in which Jesus relates to those society has shunned, whoever they may be. However, socially, morally, or theologically different to us they may be. 
Unlike the religious Pharisees and teachers of the law, Jesus doesn't keep his distance from these folk. Quite the opposite. As we see from our story here, Jesus actively seeks them out. Jesus' desire is to have intimate fellowship, deep and meaningful relationships with the last, the least, and the lost. He spends time with them. He visits them in their homes. He sits down and eats with them. He invites them to join him in the homes of his disciples. He goes gladly to their homes. He even invites himself to be their guest, just as he does with Zacchaeus. He welcomes them all, and in return, they welcome him. In going to his home, Jesus is treating Zacchaeus with kindness, mercy, grace, and respect. And it is, of course, this kindness, mercy, grace, and respect that Jesus shows Zacchaeus that brings Zacchaeus to this life-changing encounter, this life-changing repentance. Have a look at verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. We've got no idea at what point um, this all happens. Um, and Zacchaeus makes this amazing statement that he's going to give half of everything that he has uh, back to the poor and he's going to give everyone that he's defrauded back four times as much. Uh, perhaps it was at the end of the meal because he kind of stands up. We don't really know. Um, but what, whenever it was, what Zacchaeus promises to do is a stunning, absolutely stunning response to the kindness, mercy, and grace of God. The law, if you dig back into the Old Testament law, the law required that if someone defrauds another, then they have to repay the original amount plus 20%. And then there was another law saying if someone stole something outright and had already got rid of or consumed what had been stolen, then the law required that they should repay either four or five times the value of what had been stolen. Uh, for example, if an animal had been stolen but it was still alive and it was in their possession, they hadn't chomped on it and eaten it for breakfast, uh, they would only have to pay twice the value of that animal. Uh, again, if the person readily admitted their guilt and publicly confessed to their crime, the penalty was restitution plus 20%. So they had all these laws about how you handled theft and all of that kind of stuff. What's the point in going through all of these Old Testament riveting laws about the penalties for theft? Well, the point is this. Zacchaeus is so deeply moved by the kindness and the grace and the mercy of Jesus that he chooses to view all of his extortion and exploitation as being equal to the worst kind of theft. And this is as beautiful an illustration as we get as to what happens to each and every single one of us when we encounter the mercy and grace of God, and we become aware of our own shortcomings and choices, what the Bible effectively calls sin. When we see the Lord for who he truly is, at that very moment, we see ourselves for who we truly are. When we encounter the living God in the fullness of his beauty and his majesty and his glory, we see ourselves and our wretchedness and our sin and in all of its ugliness. 
And that's really what's happening with Zacchaeus. As Jesus sits with him over lunch, Zacchaeus at some point becomes profoundly aware of everything he's ever done. The bad choices, the decisions, the exploitation, whatever it is, and sitting there with Jesus, with the Son of God just across the table from him, Zacchaeus is so overwhelmed with this passionate desire to make amends. And perhaps for the first time, probably for the first time in his life, to do what is right in the sight of the Lord. You know, what Zacchaeus does, I mean, it's just incredibly moving to read. So overwhelmed is he by the grace and the love of Christ that all he can do is to allow generosity to overflow from his heart. You think about it, there are very few people who would joyfully give away half of everything that they own to the poor or um, who are so deeply committed to making restitution for the wrongs of their past life. But that is Zacchaeus. What he says uh, he's going to do with all of his money and all of his wealth, he's so overwhelmingly and staggeringly generous. But in the economy of the kingdom of God, that kind of response really shouldn't um, surprise us. What God has done for us in and through the person of Jesus is so inexpressibly generous and kind. Why would we, we be reluctant to believe that this lavish and abundant grace should have such lovely outworkings in the lives of those who receive it? And when Jesus, Jesus hears these words of Zacchaeus, Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to save and seek the lost. Jesus has come to Zacchaeus's house, and now salvation has come to his house too. And from this point on, Zacchaeus's uh, home would never be the same again. His home would be a place of generosity and kindness and grace and mercy uh, for all those who have been rejected. Jesus has shown him that uh, this incredible generosity will now be lavished on those around him. And salvation has not only come to Zacchaeus' house, it's also come to Zacchaeus. And so he too will never be the same again. What does all of this mean for us um, as we're, you know, how we're called to love and serve those that we meet, those that we encounter day in, day out, wherever it is the Lord sends us? You know, what can we learn? Is there anything we can learn from the story of Zacchaeus as to how we kind of live out loud? At the heart of this story, I think, is what it means for us to be a follower of Jesus and followers of Jesus in the time in which we find ourselves. And the reason I say that is because our calling today and every day is to show to those who see themselves as the last, the lost, and the least, the same kind of mercy, kindness, and grace that uh, each one of us has received from the one who came and sought us and found us when we were in the tree because we were too, too short to see Jesus. How do we do it? Well, the first thing I think is take the first step. Do you see that it's Jesus who makes the first move with Zacchaeus? You know, if there's gonna be any possibility of a relationship with him, Jesus reaches out. Jesus makes the first move. He's a social and moral outcast. Zacchaeus can't invite Jesus into his home. And so too, we need to be the ones who are making the first step in our relationships with those around us. And especially with those who find themselves on the edges, those who are despised, 
those who are looked down on, socially, economically, culturally, morally, whatever it might be. We would do well to remember that none of us went looking for Jesus, rather he came looking for us. A second thing is uh, showing dignity to one another. We learn from Jesus how important it is to find ways to give dignity back to the other, to empower one another. What are the ways in which we can say or do things that help restore to people a sense of their own worth, their own uh, value in the sight of God? You know, a really good question for us to be asking of ourselves, of everyone when we meet is, how does this person reflect the image of God? Because that image, the image of God, will always be there in some form or another, no matter what their belief or the way they choose to live life. And then thirdly, um, receive from one another. Rather than seeing ourselves as the one with all the answers and we're absolutely right all of the time. Um, let's allow ourselves to receive from the other. That's what Jesus does with Zacchaeus. He receives the gift of his hospitality and is welcomed into his home. How comfortable are we around people who believe very different things to ourselves? How comfortable are we around those who hold to completely different values and practices to ourselves? Are we too proud? Are we too religious, too pompous, too self-important to be in relationship with them or to receive from them? And if that's the case, perhaps we need to reread this encounter between Jesus and Zacchaeus. We're called to be taking the first step in reaching out to one another. We're, we're to be finding ways, you know, not only to show dignity to one another, but to receive from one another, regardless of their beliefs, regardless of their way of life. We should be delighted to eat and drink at one another's tables and rejoice in being in one another's homes. Sometimes I hear of bishops who don't want to eat in people's homes because they think there are demons there. It's probably the place bishops ought to be, just as an aside. This means we're going to have to get to know um, people who may be different, may think differently, may act differently, may even be considered by some in the church to be the kinds of people that religious people uh, may have a, rep, you know, a, a reputation of mistreating. As a church, let's be a people who take the initiative with those around us, who extend the dignity of the kingdom of God, who are humble enough to receive the gifts of one another as we show the same kindness, mercy, grace, and respect that has been shown every single one of us by the grace of God. Uh, why don't you stand?